What flipped the decision for you and the team to say, now it's the time to go from a family-run business to a private equity-owned business and partner with an investor group? What was that decision like internally for you guys? Why then and why us? I think I reached out to you via email. We talked and there was no months of planning. There was no decision that this is what we're doing. Yeah. We had the discussion. We started to talk. I'm like, yeah, I, I like what we're hearing here. This can definitely work. Then we took off. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute an advertisement. Views expressed are those of the individuals and not necessarily the views of Toma Bravo or its affiliates. Toma Bravo funds generally hold interest in the companies discussed. This podcast should not be construed as an offer to solicit the purchase of any interest in any Toma Bravo fund. Welcome to Toma Bravo's Behind the Deal. I'm Toma Bravo managing partner Holden Spate, and that was Toma Bravo partner Carl Press speaking with Mike Odie president and CEO of Foundation Software. The Foundation deal is a classic example of the type of deal we love to be a part of here at Toma Bravo. Established in 1989, Foundation has decades of experience being a leader in the world of construction subcontracting software. And for over 30 years, it remained a family-run business, turning down a bunch of offers to work with private equity until we successfully transacted with them. With a history of innovation, a strong culture, and a proven track record of being willing to pivot when the market heads in a new direction, it's no wonder Carl and our Toma Bravo team were so determined to make this deal work. And, as always, their instincts were spot on. When you get down to it, this deal involved partnering with a strong management team to acquire a beautiful vertical market application software company with high-quality revenue, a leading market position, and executing on a buy-and-build strategy. Our deal with Foundation actually involved four separate acquisitions, all debt-financed, that enabled growth acceleration and an expanded product suite. As a case study, this was a perfect example of creating value as an emerging category leader in the middle market and software. And it hit on a lot of the key themes that we as a firm endorse across our entire portfolio. So today, you'll hear everything that went on behind the deal of this transaction from Carl Press, the deal lead and partner at Toma Bravo, followed by his conversation with Foundation President and CEO, Mike Odie. Hi, I'm Carl Press. I'm a partner at Toma Bravo. I've been with the firm for just under nine years. I co-lead our $3 billion middle market funds, which we call our Explore Funds. And today on Behind the Deal, we'll be going inside the Foundation software transaction. Foundation is the category leader in software for construction subcontractors. So if you think about the actual subcontractors that perform the work, the trades, these are the electricians, the plumbers, roofing, HVAC, heavy civil. Foundation started by providing them accounting software or ERP to run their back office and eventually expanded into other categories of software for those customers. So payroll, and then bidding and estimation, takeoff, compliance, HR, mobile, workforce management. And today it's the most comprehensive suite of solutions for these construction subcontractors. We got introduced to Mike and the founder of Foundation in the second week of March 2020. Of course, the perfect week to engage with a company you're so dying to partner with. We had a fantastic call with them. The world was changing quickly. We weren't sure where it was going to be in a week or two, but we knew we had to get out to Cleveland to meet the team. And probably four or five days later, the lockdown happened. And suddenly there was no flying. There was no travel. We weren't coming into the office. And I assumed that there wasn't going to be a deal to be done because we can't meet with them and perform our usual due diligence the way we typically would. But we kept pushing ahead. 
we kept scheduling Zooms. We asked for some data. We started digging in. And what we found as we dug into the data is the company was as special as we thought it would be. Beautiful growth, unit economics, gross and net retention was off the charts. They had about over 5,000 customers at the time. And when we dug into the market, specifically construction subcontractors for non-residential construction, that's really the market that they perform in. Everyone that we spoke with, market experts, consultants, actual end customers, all pointed us back to foundation as the category leader. And when we asked them, well, what makes their product so special? What, What makes foundation so special? They told us that the workflows of these subcontractors are unique. And oftentimes they're unique even within the different subcontractor areas themselves, the trades. So electrical versus plumbing versus HVAC and so forth. And foundation has just been steeped in that industry for 30 years. They understand the needs of the customers. They're very deep in the specific workflows of, say, the back office of one of these subs or the front office or the field, for that matter. And so the products have just evolved into a place where it would be really difficult to unseed them because they're highly, highly sticky. They're very tailored to this end market. And the reputation precedes itself as far as quality, customer service, speed to implementation, and so forth. So they were just the dominant category leader in this space. We're digging in late March, early April, not able to visit them, but with a with this feeling that th- there's no way we cannot find a way to partner with this company. We had to do it. We had to find a way. And so we kept pushing ahead. We kept scheduling virtual meetings. It was unusual and, and almost awkward at first. The management team on their end, led by Mike, seemed receptive. We were obviously super excited and receptive. And come late April, it felt like we finally had real momentum. And it was a gut check decision at that point of, are we going to do a deal completely remote? We had not done one as a firm yet. Of course, there was a lot of activity going on at the time across the firm, but we had not yet signed and closed a transaction completely remote. So that was a new territory for us. And I remember in particular, we had the invest final investment committee conversation over Zoom with the entire partnership. And we get off the Zoom and Orlando calls me. Of course, his instincts are, are spot on. And he says, we have to find a way to partner with this company. We have to do it. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you have to drive or hitchhike to Cleveland to figure this out, but we've got to do this because this is a really special company. And he was, he was of course, spot on. At that point, we called the founder, we called Mike, and we told them, we're going to find a way to do this no matter what. They were receptive and ultimately... Come late May, we were able to come to a deal that worked for both sides and we signed a transaction. It's just been awesome to see the transformation of the company since we partnered three and a half years ago. When we first met Foundation, the company had about 50 million of revenue, had less than 10 million of EBITDA, and had never done an acquisition and was really selling two products at that time ERP and payroll. Today, we have close to 150 million of revenue about 45% EBITDA margin. We're growing faster organically than we ever did. And we now have a full suite of solutions, about eight different products that we can sell across what's now a 12,000 customer base. It started as 5,000, now is over 12,000. And so that cross-sell engine has just been a, a wonderful driver of growth and accelerator of growth. We can meet our customers where their needs are. So if they need payroll, they need ERP, we have that. But if they need HR, takeoff estimation, we have those as well. So it's a full suite of products. And our goal is we want to sell 
everything that a subcontractor would need to run their business. The construction software market is still pretty fragmented. There's a few big players, Foundation emerging as one of them, and then there's a lot of smaller players that are tackling different niche categories of software to serve the construction industry. And so it's a beautifully fragmented market for private equity to go and consolidate. And so at Foundation, we've now done four acquisitions, all in different product categories to bring different capabilities to our product suite, which we can then integrate all together and then deliver back to our customers as an integrated suite. And it enables us to add customers to our business, to cross-sell different products to our customers, and ultimately accelerate our bookings and revenue growth. And we're going to continue to be acquisitive in this end market to continue to acquire new capabilities that we otherwise haven't built yet internally or feel like we can get to market faster through an acquisition than through organic investment. At Toma Bravo, we now have a few different portfolio platforms in the construction space, Foundation being one of them. And one of the things we love about this end market is it's still getting up the curve on digital transformation, probably about five plus years behind some of the other industries and end markets that we invest into. And when you couple that with the labor shortage that's happening in the industry, uh, it means that there's now rapid adoption of software across these businesses to help facilitate back office, front office, field, and to get more efficient quickly and to drive margin in their own business. And so we're delivering a ton of value to our customers and the industry is really healthy. There's healthy backlogs. And so there's this really great wave of adoption of software that's happening right now in construction. And we're establishing ourselves across these different platforms as these category leaders that'll get embedded in these businesses. And by virtue of delivering value and delivering high service, will be sticky and hopefully with these customers for years and years and years. So it's a really exciting time to be investing in software that's serving the construction market. Mike is a really special leader. Uh, he's been with Foundation from the very, very early days of the company and has touched quite literally every function within the organization. He's so well-respected and loved at the company. He has a really great feel for the pulse of the culture and he really understands our products and our customers and what they need. If you ask Mike, he can rattle off every name in the pipeline at any given point, what the opportunity is with them and how big we could potentially make that account over time. That's the level of granularity and detail at which he works. So it's a rare combination of being a charismatic leader, really understanding your culture, and also being super data-driven and willing to spend the time, hours, digging into the data and really letting the data guide us to the right decisions, which is exactly, as a private equity partner, that's exactly what you want from your CEOs. You want decisions to be data-driven. You want somebody who understands their end market, but at the same time is willing to listen. And Mike is all of these things. So it, it's just been a really, it's been a joy to work with him and to learn from him and become his friend over time. It was exciting, but what a unique and almost bizarre set of circumstances to do a deal in. Very early days of the pandemic. I also personally, I, just, I had a baby in that time period as well. My second son, Cameron, was born in late April. It was a busy and wild time, but in hindsight, one of the best decisions. 
And now here's my conversation with Mike Ody, president and CEO of Foundation Software. Mike, welcome to our in-office recording studio. How about this? Awesome. Pretty, pretty professional, right? It is very professional. So you come for the board meetings, you stay for the podcast. That's what we yeah. say around here. Pat McAfee show has nothing on it. No, it doesn't. It does not. Okay. Can you give the elevator pitch on foundation today? Sure. Our mission is to be the number one provider of software for the back office of construction companies. It started with accounting. That is still today our, our flagship offering, but we have grown exponentially over the years with additional products. In 2006, we added payroll for construction, which again, think ADP, paychecks, although it's exclusive to the construction industry. We also have estimating now. We have project management. We have data collection out in the field, which another one of our missions is it's really helpful to bridge that gap between the field in the office. The communication is something that's really lacking and yeah. something that these construction companies are looking for. So we've been able to add that as well. So data collection has always been sloppy. It's always been somebody scribbling on a sheet of paper, handing it to the office, them not being able to decipher what it says. And we've been able to help in, in, in that area as well. I think one of the things that separates foundation software is that we knew early on that just being accounting wasn't going to be enough. It wasn't going to yeah. allow us to get where we wanted to get. So that's why we've offered these other products and we will continue to do that organically and through acquisition. Let's go back to 2020 when we first met. So I think our okay. first call was the week before all the lockdowns for COVID happened. Yep, early March. Kind of, yeah, early, first early or second week of March. Yeah. Up till that point, the company had been in existence for 35 years. Yep. Every private equity firm and their mother had called you, emailed you, sure. said, hey, let's partner, let's do a deal, control deal, minority deal, every flavor of deal that could be imagined. Sure. And now we're in this very bizarre state of the world. What flipped the decision for you and the team to say, now it's the time to go from a family-run business sure. to a private equity-owned business and partner with an investor group? What was that decision like internally for you guys? And why then? And why us? Yeah. So there was always a path. I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of what that path was. That was not private equity related. The transition was coming. We knew the transition had to happen. And what happened was we started and we were getting to the point where we were getting larger and we created an advisory board. We had one meeting. <laughs> one. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. And some as much of, some as we of, talked, some I don't know if is, I've ever told you this story. Some of but, this I've yeah. heard in bits and pieces from yeah, you, but some of, like, to, to hear it all is yeah, that's I don't, why I'm asking. I don't, so I don't know if I've ever told you this. this. So we had our advisory board one meeting. Yeah. And one of the people on that board used to work for a portfolio company of, of TB. And they were like, you should at least reach out to them, right? They're different than everybody else. They're different than the people that have been reaching out to you. I think I reached out to you via email. We talked and it took off from there. There was no months of planning. There was no decision that this is what we're doing. Yeah. We had the discussion. We started to talk. I'm like, yeah, I, I like what we're hearing here. This can definitely work. Then we took off. Yeah. And then my life changed for three months. But uh, it, it was great because Sam and Adam and Chandler and yourself, they were just so easy to work with and were patient and knew that I was not a banker and that this was new to me and foreign territory to me. But they also seen that I was going to get them what they wanted. I just might ask a lot more questions than uh, the, the normal process would yeah. be. And I think that 
Well, I say I would not suggest people go and do this. I'll tell you what I think did transpire in that time. We all became really close, yeah. right? Because you were working directly with the CEO or at that time, the president, which probably isn't normal. And we, we formed a relationship and bonded and built some chemistry together. There was a certain rawness to that transaction because there wasn't an inter intermediary. I loved it personally. If yeah. I if every investment, every deal we did was like that, that would be great because it just, it allows you to get close. Yeah. It allows you to get right to the answers. Things aren't filtered. We're not trying to figure out where's the spin, where's the adjustments yeah. on the numbers that need to come out. Yeah. We were getting it straight from you, straight from your team. And even though it was all remote, which was odd and new to us at the time, there was an honestness to the whole thing that I loved. You were able to learn more about us intimately. And I was given a crash course in what it's going to be like to work with a PE firm. And without that, I don't know if we'd be as successful, right? We would have spent the first six, nine months doing that because we did it for three months. I started to become familiar with it and what it involved and what it right. entailed and, and what was going to be expected right off the bat. And that just made the transition real easy. And you still wanted to do it after all of that? <laughs> I thought it was awesome, to be honest with you. It just fits I my personality. It. It, it does. And again, I, I can't go back to enough of the fact that it's easy when you work with people that make it easy to, yeah. to work with them. So yeah. yeah, that was a big part of this deal. Yeah. And, and and as I've told my partners, if they can all be foundations, both in terms of the, the deal itself and then the journey, the three and a half years we've been on together, that would make my career. Because yeah. I, I feel like all of the things that we talk about that make investments successful, partnering with existing management, creating a really tight relationship with that team, backing really what we believe are the category leaders, and then executing on a buy-in bill. We've hit on all of those mm -hmm. in the last three and a half years. And it's just been, it's been amazing to see. Here's the commercial bit of this whole interview. For companies that are like where Foundation was, three and a half years ago. And yep. there's a many of them. And we, we call on them all the time. Just sure. beautiful category leaders in software that are maybe founder owned and led and are thinking about this transition. Why do it? Why ultimately partner with private equity or with Toma Bravo? Yeah. So there's going to come a point in time where you hit a wall, right? And they've already seen many of those wall. One wall, some people like to measure it in revenue. Hitting a million is easy. Getting above a million is hard. Hitting one to five is right. easy. Getting above five is hard. 5 to 15, easy, 15 hard. At a certain point in time, you're going to hit that wall and it's going to stop. And you're going to start to chase shiny objects over and over and over. You're going to keep chasing. Maybe one will hit. Maybe they none will hit, right? But what happens here is you stayed focused. You stay focused on things now. You let the numbers tell you what to do. The numbers will drive the business, right? With TB specifically, can't speak to other PE companies, you let that culture remain and if you can start to let the numbers run the business, stay focused, quit chasing those shiny objects, keep the culture the same, you're going to be successful. And that would be my recommendation to people is think of it from that perspective and be open-minded. You know what you're an expert in, but trust me, TB is an expert in a lot of things that you're not an expert in and listen to them. And I, I think that is what can really help these companies and a reason that they should do it or they're going to stagnate, period. They just will. You know, I've had the pleasure of working with well over a dozen portfolio platforms now at Toma Bravo. And I don't think that there is a culture as unique and as strong, quite frankly, as the one at Foundation. So can you talk a little bit about 
the inner machinery, what's happening inside the four walls of the company. Yeah. And it's a very much an in-person culture, sure. which I love. Sure. But what makes the culture at this company so special? Yeah, I, I think the one thing, the first thing you'll notice as you walk in, there's nothing plastered on the wall. We, we, we don't have phrases on the walls. We don't have who we hope people will be. If I had a word to use, I, I would say we're accepting. Our culture is accepting. If somebody says, what type of person works at foundation? The answer is everybody. Anybody you can think of works at foundation software. But the uniqueness of our culture is everybody's accepting of one another, regardless of age or beliefs or just lifestyle. So we've always been very accepting. We're opportunistic. Mm. We like to promote within. We probably promote earlier than most would or Maybe some would even say should. I'm a perfect example of that, right? I think people like to come there and they like to work because they feel accepted and because they see opportunity. We are also very tolerant. We have kept employees that other companies would not keep and given them second chances. And I'm a firm believer in that, right? We're all going to make mistakes, are going to regret things we do. And if you see improvement and you can give them the opportunity, we like to do that. I love that. That's awesome. And it's a perfect segue into the M&A that we've done since Mm -hmm. we partnered. So we've done four acquisitions since the spring of 2020. Maybe talk about how we've integrated those companies, those people into this culture. Sure. Because I I don't think I've worked with a company that's done it as well as Foundation has. And and now we've done it four times and and we're going to do more. But maybe talk about that workflow and how we were successful doing that. Yeah, I'd say it starts in the beginning, right? We looked for companies that we thought the culture was a fit because we knew that we weren't going to be able to roll them all into Ohio, that they had to stay in Arizona and they had to stay in Florida. So having a culture already was important. We learned a lot of things such as you can't just go there for two days and leave and expect them to pick everything up from the first one to the second one to the third one to to, to this last one. I think we've improved in that area of ripping off the Band-Aid and being present there for four, five, six weeks and letting them ask you as many questions as they want, drill you, give their side of the story, and then sit there and listen and collect the data and explain why we're doing things the way we're doing, why we have to start acting like a $150 million company and not a $5 million or an $8 million or a $10 million yeah. company anymore. So I would say those are the reasons that we've been able to adjust to the culture, but I'm going to go back to what we just talked about earlier. We're accepting. Yeah, we're, we're different. We have companies from all over, different people from all over. And once they see that you accept them for who they are, it leads to success. Yeah, And then they see that you can help them grow and do the things they haven't been able to do as well. They become even more accepting to yeah. you. I remember on one of them, you called me maybe two weeks into the deal and you said, they don't totally understand how we think about sales. I'm flying out there with Steve, our CRO. And that's I don't know, symbolic of what makes you a special CEO, I think, is you just get your hands in the weeds. You get in the details. So segue into your leadership style. Maybe you can talk about what's made you successful as the CEO of this company. I, I can say from my perspective, from the from the deal partner and board perspective, it, it's a rare combination of, you know, your market just ice cold, like front and back, left to right. You know, this industry, you know, the customers. But you're also data-driven. You listen to the information and you sort of let the data guide you to the right decision. Sure. I'd imagine that took some time to get to where you are today. Like maybe talk about your leadership style as you see it. I'm glad you're asking me and <laughs> not my team. We can ask them yeah, too. Yeah, well, can we block them from yeah. this? <laughs> is, that, is that possible? So I think it on head. I, I do get my hands 
dirty compared to, to, to most, I would say. I'm extremely transparent with everybody, not just my direct reports. I'm transparent with everybody. I'd say I'm visible and present. I like to lead from the floor. It's just how I am. I'm a little bit old school, as you said. I like to rub elbows with people. And again, it's not my direct reports. I like to be on the floor, period. Keeps me in tune with the vibe of inside the walls. And it keeps me in tune with what's going on in the industry, right? Because you you need to know both. Always been a data-driven person. So yes, the numbers run the business, but the numbers don't make us successful. The people make us successful. And I think I have been able to take those two things and let the numbers guide us with what we need to do and then take our culture and the soft side and utilize the people to mesh those two together. And I I think that's what my style is. I'd say the most challenging thing is I like to be aware of what all my direct reports are doing. Yeah. And that leads to a, a challenge, right? I want them to feel as though I am aware. I know what they're going through. I'm there to support them, but I don't want them to feel as though I'm looking over their shoulder and not letting them do their job. Yeah. So that's a balancing act in an area I think I've improved at dramatically and will continue to try and improve at. Yeah. 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 And, and and you found a way to surround yourself with just amazing executives. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the number one thing is that, that I learned early on is surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, right? So yeah. I've been able to do that. Yeah. And if you continue, to, <laughs> yeah, if you continue to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Right. And give them what they need. And again, the numbers tell us what to do but the people are why we've been successful. Okay, so we now have at Toma Bravo a few different platforms in the construction space, foundation being one of them. Talk about the end market and the industry itself. How has it evolved? I know it's still probably five or 10 years behind on the digital transformation curve, but it's quickly catching up. Adoption of our products is accelerating. Maybe talk about how our customers' engagement with technology has changed and is changing and what that means for our business. Yeah. So it starts now that you've seen a generational flip. So you now see companies, construction companies being handed down. And I'd say we're halfway through that. I'm just pulling that out, right? I I don't know. Maybe we're 20%, maybe we're 90%, but my guess is we're about halfway through this this generational flip. And as, as we all know, our children are way more into technology than, sure. than than our grandparents and our parents were, right? You start to see that happening. But the other thing that you start to see where it directly impacts foundation is the communication between what's happening out in the field and the office is more important than ever yeah. because it gives them the advantage. And if they don't have an advantage, they can't grow and they can't exceed expectations and they can't start to pull away from their competition. So the biggest gap, it's always funny. You'll talk to a construction owner and let's say I'm a project manager and I walk in their office and they're like, hey, Bill, I need need two million for a backhoe. There you go. No problem. Hey, Bill, I need $12,000 for software. Get out of my office. So that's the thing that happens. But where you start to hear them listen is when you say, I need to close the gap between the information I'm getting from the people out in the field with the office now you have their attention. Now they're starting to listen. And number one is time collection. Yeah. Time collection is the most important thing out there. Instead of giving the person that's responsible for payroll, scribble down sheets of paper with coffee spilled over it. People can't put the right job number on there. The cost could, yeah, remember payroll there isn't just, I worked eight hours. It's I worked on this particular job. I sure. worked on this particular 
what we call cost code of a job. And that is all absolutely necessary when it comes to construction payroll. So what we've been able to do is create mobile applications out there. And that was our latest acquisition with WorkMax that allows us to now gather time in numerous ways. You can do it through biometrics. You can do it through your cell phone with a simple clock in, clock out, or you can do it the old fashioned way on a computer where you punch in the time, start time and end time. That is how it's evolved. And that is where technology is really going. And a lot of that has to do with if you don't have that, you're falling behind your competition. And the other half is that generational flip is now looking for all of these advantages. What amazes me about foundation and in particular within our core suite of products, so thinking about accounting, payroll, is there's a few other vendors in the category and we know who they are, but they're all relatively legacy and we don't see them in deals very often now. And so it feels like the market has become wide open and our leadership within the category has grown. Maybe just talk about that evolution from over the last, say, 20, 30 years, evolving into the category leader and accelerating ahead of the competition. What made Foundation emerge as that leader and not some of these other vendors? Yeah. You go back, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, every deal you walked in, there was competitors of six to 10, right? So you're competing with six to 10 people. Then you started to see it dwindle down to half of that. And now you see it where after deals, there's probably nobody in there. And maybe the other half, there's one, maybe two other ones in there. And what happened is they thought they were going to survive off of accounting and accounting only. And that's it. That's all they did was focus on accounting. They didn't try to do anything more. And these contractors want more, right? They want to be able to turn to you for, as I said, the business side of their business, right? So you've seen that happen. Then we found this sweet spot between the QuickBooks of the world and then your high-end applications of the world. And in the last five years, we own it. We are the player that people yeah. think of. If you're a, a five to, it's getting up there now, it's probably more 75 to $80 million contract. So it's a big gap there. Foundation is who you think about, right? If you're on QuickBooks, you're going to graduate. Right. If you're not ready in a $2 billion contractor, you're not looking for some of these higher end ones that have some bells and whistles, but don't have the feature set that you're looking for. We've always stayed true to what, our clients need. And yeah. number one is going to be that payroll aspect of it. The complexity of construction payroll is second to none. It's always going to be complex. You have individual that might be working in three different counties, two different states, six different jobs yeah. all in a week, yeah. making different pay rates on every single one of those, paying different taxes on every single one of those. So and then you nuance. have to job cost it, and there's a lot of nuance to it. We were able to put ourselves into that sweet spot of that five to 75 to $80 million contractor and continue to give them what they wanted. First, they want, hey, make sure you don't take away our features and then give us more. Give give us estimating. Give us that time collection out in the field. Give us a payroll service. And that's what we've been able to do. And that's what separated us. None of our competition did that. Most went upstream and the remainder are gone. They're just gone. We've now taken the company to I can say from my perspective, a level that I I wasn't quite sure we could ever reach in terms of scale, profitability, okay. number of customers, number of products, our organic growth. Uh, it, it's it's just been amazing. From your perspective in the CEO seat, what is the next five years? 
for foundation look like? What does that involve? Yeah, so so with 12,000 customers, cross-sell is a key. They want more. They want more products. We've talked about it a little bit already in, in, the, in, in the opening here. And there's only two ways to do that. And one is organic, and we will continue to do some of these things organically. We're, we, we just released a couple of weeks ago an HR product that, yeah. that we wrote organically, yeah. right? I'm pumped but, about it. But in order to do what we need to do, it needs to be a combination of that organic and that M&A, right? Yeah. And we have to make more deals. Um, we have to look. We, we, we know the areas. Uh, we know payments is a big area, right? We talk about it all the time. I mean, you talk about it on a regular basis. Uh, if we can find that field service application, those sure. are big. So these are big, and I think those are where you can start using the word transformational. So it, it, it's both. And the next five years will continue to be both. You have to be very strategic and thoughtful in which things you can actually develop from the ground up versus what things are just going to suck the life out of you and it, it's going to kill you. And I think thus far we've been successful in that. And that's what the next five years will look like as well. Yeah. Mike, I've loved our journey together. It's been a joy to work with you and the team. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your friendship. Excited about what's still to come for the company and what's to come in our partnership. And thanks for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me and uh, look forward to spending the rest of the day and tomorrow together and uh, getting together with the team as well. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thanks. A huge thanks to Mike for speaking with us today. To learn more about Foundation Software and see the incredible work they're doing, visit foundationsoft.com. And for more stories behind the deal, check out all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to subscribe to Behind the Deal to hear new episodes as soon as they drop. If you liked this episode, and I know you did, check out our mini series, Beyond the Deal, to go deeper into my conversation with Mike Odie. Catch it on YouTube and in this feed next week. I'm Carl Press. Thanks for joining. Toma Bravo's Behind the Deal is produced by Toma Bravo in partnership with Pod People. Stay tuned for more stories behind the deal. I'm Holden Spate. Thanks for listening. Certain statements about Toma Bravo made by portfolio company executives are intended to illustrate Toma Bravo's business relationship with such persons rather than Toma Bravo's capabilities or expertise with respect to investment advisory services. Portfolio company executives were not compensated in connection with their podcast participation, although they generally receive compensation and investment opportunities in connection with their portfolio company roles, and in certain cases are also owners of portfolio company securities and or investors in Toma Bravo funds. Such compensation and investments subject podcast participants to potential conflict of interest.